first I soften you up, then it's showtime. Let's bring it in, it's showtime, right? Showtime! <laughs> Welcome back to the Showtime Movie Podcast. My name is Show, as always. And, you know, we're going to continue today on the Avengers Endgame beat. You know, it's been quite the week for uh, spoilers, right? It's been quite the week for spoilers in the sense that Game of Thrones is out, right? It's in the last, the final throws of the last couple episodes, what's going to happen? Are people satisfied? Are people not satisfied? It's kind of weird, right? Because Game of Thrones has been a show that's largely escaped serious criticism, right? Like, they've had some criticism, you know, in terms of treatment of specific women characters, female characters over the course of the show. But I feel like, by and large, HBO's flagship show, Game of Thrones, has been a show that people really like, right? I, I would say. People really like Game of Thrones. And... Here we are, and it's it's in the last couple of episodes, and for the first time ever, it's, it's starting to experience some serious criticism that has divided fans. Perhaps it always happens when a long-running fan-favorite television show uh, it comes to an end. But I only mention Game of Thrones because Endgame came out, like essentially Endgame came out on the Thursday, and then of course it was airing that weekend, and then on the Sunday of the uh, Sunday of opening weekend, Game of Thrones had a, the big battle of Winterfell a couple weeks ago now, and it was billed as this huge thing. And so it was this big event, a lot of Starks, obviously, in both uh, both Game of Thrones and Avengers. I guess it's just one Stark in Avengers, right, as we, as we know. But anyways, if you listen to last week's episode, uh, I had an interview with Mark Stanush, who, you know, has been on the pod before, podcaster from Poddrop. And he gave us his thoughts on Avengers Endgame. I didn't want to do a, a straight review, so we did something a little bit different. And uh, here we are. Again, this is the final little bit of Avengers Endgame coverage, let's say. So without further ado, let's get to the interview I have set up for you guys this week. And I am happy to say that it is with my friend Josh Goldberg, who is a host and producer here at at the radio station I work at. He is always a very good guest for pretty much any topic you could possibly think on, certainly sports, because uh, jo- that's Josh's uh, bread and butter. But I'm excited to have him on the podcast. So here's my conversation with Josh Goldberg from earlier in the week. Joining me now is Josh Goldberg, my friend, host and producer at Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Josh, thanks for coming on with me today. Yeah, looking forward to it. I've uh, wanted to talk movies with you for a while. I don't know if I have the game outside of maybe <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but uh, with Avengers Endgame uh, being top of everyone's mind now, this seemed like finally a good time to to have this kind of conversation, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, the newsroom in, uh, well, our newsroom is definitely a buzz with spoilers, with Endgame, people like trying to not spoil it for others who haven't seen it. Same thing with Game of, Game Thrones, of Thrones, actually. Yeah. And, and I wanted to actually get your take on that before we talked about Endgame. Not okay. just Game of Thrones, but the idea of spoilers in general. Where, where, where are you at on spoilers? Like, do you have to, is there a certain timeline? Is it different for Game of Thrones because it's a TV show versus Endgame, which is a movie? I wanted to get your take on what, what, what the proper etiquette for spoilers is. I think it all depends on kind of intent, right? Like if you know somebody hasn't seen the episode of Game of Thrones or hasn't seen Avengers, let's say, and you've seen it, don't go out of your way to say anything. But if you're just like kind of having a conversation with somebody who has seen it or about it, and somebody on the street just happens to catch wind of it, right? I don't think that's really the same. I think if you're deliberately trying to go out of your way to spoil it, then that's 
uh, not great. But if you know somebody hasn't seen it and it's been, you know, at least a week or 10 days and they proclaim themselves to be pretty passionate about it and they right, still right. haven't seen it, then I think we're kind of getting into the statute of limitations <laughs> being close to expiring. Okay, that's fair, that's fair enough, I think, because... I, I often wonder, you know, we I try not to do it when we're in our newsroom, for example, yeah. because it's an open space and everyone's in there. And, you know, I went to go see it on the very first possible day. And then I was in at work on Friday. So I understand that not everyone had gone to see it. Like, you probably didn't even see it, I don't think, on Thursday night, no. right? Like, you no. went to see it, I think, on Saturday morning, right? Saturday night. Saturday night, okay. Yeah. I remember when I was walking out of the theater, actually. I don't know if you've ever seen that Simpsons clip. I know you're a Simpsons fan of, yep. like, when Homer is leaving the theater after they see Empire Strikes Back with Marge, and he goes, and he, they're walking by the line of people who are waiting to see the next showtime, and he goes, wow, I can't believe Darth Vader was Luke's father this whole time. <laughs> and everyone goes, wow, thanks a lot, asshole. <laughs> That's what I, I we, we were leaving because we saw the early showing, like the 6.30 showing, and we left, and, and it was like a three-hour movie, so yeah. people were in line for the 10 o'clock showing. Mm. And it was just a, a huge line of people. The theater, the lobby was packed. And me and my friend were like chatting about it. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't talk about it in this lobby because so many people had not yet seen it. And I remember our, one of our co- coworkers, uh, Rob Wong, he uh, was telling the story about how he walked into, the, the guy who ripped his ticket said he could go in. He opened the door. I mean, we've both seen it. So the scene where captain america is dancing with peggy like the literally the last shot of the movie yeah and he walked in and he saw captain america's face and he was like oh my god and he had to like back out yeah and it's a good thing he didn't stay or i was telling him it's a good thing he didn't he didn't walk in 15 seconds earlier because then he would have seen like old captain america shaking falcon's hand who was like wearing the shield and you're like oh man that would have just ruined the whole movie I I wonder, I'm trying to think about some of the worst points you could accidentally see a frame of this particular movie. The last like 45 minutes to an hour were pretty, pretty spoiler filled. Like if you had just walked in somewhere like after that, the initial 20 minutes is pretty insane. Like that threw me for a loop. I was not expecting that kind of just time jump and you know, all of a sudden Thanos is dead yeah. and I'm just saying to myself, like, what, what's going on here? What are they going to do? I knew time travel was going to be obviously a large factor here right. with the quantum realm and, and everything of that sort. But I feel like there was a good part, like an hour or so into the movie where you could have seen something and yeah, it wouldn't have been ideal, but I don't think it necessarily would have ruined a huge moment of the movie. For yeah, you. I agree. Like if you had walked in on a scene where like Black Widow was talking to War Machine over like hologram yeah. telephone, would that really have ruined? Probably no. not, right? No. Because you wouldn't really know the context. They didn't really mention Thanos. They didn't really mention anything of the sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, I, I agree. I think I think really any anything after all the other heroes come back to life. Like, if you if you had come back at any point during that battle, I feel like you probably would have been spoiled, and even then, I don't feel like it would have been that big a deal, only because, and I talked about this when I did the Infinity War podcast, but I think the reason Infinity War perhaps fell a little, a little flat for me was because you knew they were all going to come back to life, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you knew that maybe the only character who wouldn't come back to life is Gamora, and they even found a way around that too, right? Yeah. So... That, I, don't, I don't have any problem with it. It's just the emotional resonance. Like people were saying that that's going to be the Star Wars, Luke, I am your father moment of, of like the generation who watches movies now. And I kind of wonder, like, I don't, I don't really know that it is mm-hmm. because even if you're like a teenager, I feel like you probably knew these heroes were coming back at some point. Yeah. Right. Well, so. even the I th- maybe the initial shock of it, because right. while you're watching the movie, you're not 
immediately processing you know, the ramification. So it happens. I remember seeing it and I, like my jaw was dropped okay. a little bit. Right, fair enough. And then the movie ended probably, I don't know, 10 minutes after yeah, that or yeah. less. And then as we were walking out and the credits were playing, I was like, oh, okay, like that happened. Yeah, but yeah. I know there's moment, a second part yeah, and now yeah. I know that all those characters are going to come back. So <laughs> eventually it clicked in my brain. Whereas the Luke Skywalker thing, yeah, that's, that, I can't think of anything that, even when I watched it for the first time as a kid and that was probably... I don't know, 17 or 18, like, cause that movie sure. came out, what, like 1980 and I probably yeah. watched it for the first time in like 1997 or 1998 right, right. or something. Yeah, same, yeah. It was still very shocking. Like I did not see that one coming at all. And in that time, like there's three years between the Empire Strikes Back and uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Cause now it's like, well, you know, Luke Skywalker's. Darth Vader's son, whereas, yeah, we had a year here, and we were just trying to figure out all the possible ways and theories that these characters would be brought to life, yeah, and yeah. pretty early on, it was clear that the quantum realm and time travel was going to be a huge factor, and Ca- Captain Marvel would play a role also, right. and she did. Like, she was kind of the cheat code of the whole yeah, she Avengers, really is, eh? and I think they used her the, the kind of the right amount. If they had leaned on her anymore, it would have been like, well, she could have just done everything here, yeah, just yeah. destroyed everyone <laughs> and everything, and, you know, would wouldn't have made much use for most of the characters in the movie. People like to kind of create like a popular analog. So I think that no matter how popular the Avengers are, I think for a lot of people who grew up watching comic books, it pro- like the the analog that's the most popular is probably the Justice League, right? Mm-hmm. Because everyone knows about Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Even if you're not necessarily like the biggest fan, I think I, before before Iron Man one came out in 2008, if you looked at a list of the most popular superheroes. Virtually none of the Marvel superheroes outside of Spider-Man was on that list. Yep. It was essentially Spider-Man, a handful of the X-Men, and then, you know, Iron Man, Captain America, Thor. They're pretty far down the list when it comes to Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, the Green Lantern, the Flash, right? Yeah. Like Arrow and all the, all these other characters. So I think and now, now that we kind of have reversed that reversed that trend now here in 2019, right, where... You know the DC movies. I don't know how many of them you've seen, but they're not—they're not perhaps the same quality as the Marvel movies because I think they kind of do this thing where I think they saw the popularity of Mar- the Marvel films. They kind of skipped ahead a little bit, and so and audiences didn't really because you know when we watch when we watch when it goes to the End Game, a big part of the popularity is that we you're feeling like it's a. A culmination, you're being rewarded for yeah. watching 11 years worth of movies, essentially, like that, right? Whereas when you watch Justice League, you're really like that was one of the first movies they put out, so you don't really feel any like super attachment to oh man, they're doing something super cool because you know it almost doesn't feel earned, I guess, right? Yeah, well, that's the thing about these movies is the stakes g- genuinely and generally increased with each passing movie. It was clear that pretty early on they were building towards something like. Yeah. Thanos was first introduced in the post-credit scene of the first Avengers movie. I think so, yeah. In 2012. So that's a seven-year kind of journey to get to a point where these movies were, you know, as big as they were. And he wasn't really even fully featured until Infinity War, right? Yeah, he just yeah, kind of dropped in. I don't think in. they had cast Josh Brolin, I think, until, I think maybe, like, Age until of Gar- Ultron, Guardians maybe? of the Galaxy, maybe? Yeah. yeah. I'm not, I don't think he was, like, when they had his, his like, little cameo in Guardians, it wasn't Josh Brolin. It, yeah. was another, it was another actor they just kind of put in the chair and digitally altered his voice, essentially. Yeah, and, and I remember, I think the first time we saw him, yeah, was either in Guardians or when he put the gauntlet on and said, I'll... And I have to scene. do right. it myself right, here. Right. I think that might have been the first time we saw him. And I read that 
the 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 uh, directors, uh, the Russos, wanted to kind of thread him in in a in the right way. And they really did that because he was a really ominous character for a long time, and you weren't totally sure. You knew he was obviously going to be very powerful and yeah. dominant and dangerous. And then when they kind of unleashed him fully in Infinity War, it was clear it wasn't going to be just one of these, oh, well, they'll quickly defeat him. After losing one battle, they'll win the second one. It was like, no, this is going to be a little bit different, a little more challenging than we have come to grow accustomed to in these movies. Okay, so let me get your take on Endgame specifically. Like, we'll d- dissect the movie a little more intimately. Like, what what was your, your favorite part? Because I feel like Endgame... I, I feel like I've watched better Marvel movies mm-hmm. because in, 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 in the sense that I feel like there are other Marvel movies that tell a more cohesive story. Like if you want to go look at Winter Soldier yeah. or you want to look at even the first Guardians of the Galaxy, I feel like they tell the story a little more seamlessly because, and again, we, we, talked, we touched on this a little earlier, that Endgame is a culmination of all these movies. So in, a, in essence, it's like vignette with like a little bit of plot to like, vignette to a little bit of plot and then like you know it's a lot of fan service which i have no problem with like that that essentially is what what you're going to see and what you want so in that sense what is your favorite kind of little mini arc of the movie because they're 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 quite a couple i feel like i kind of liked honestly maybe i'm in the minority on this the the period of time where everyone was kind of downtrodden right where they fast forward five years later and you know, there are remaining members of the Avengers who are still trying to, I guess, do good right, and right. carry out their mantra a little bit. But it's clear that, especially you look at uh, Black Widow and Captain America yeah. really dealing with the ramifications. I know some people didn't like the fat Thor angle, <laughs> but I kind of found it. It was a different element to him. And yeah, there was some comic relief to it, but it was clear that, you know, it came from a place that was because he twice kind of screwed up, didn't go for the head the first time, and then right. killed Thanos the second time, and you know he was dealing with some of the emotional baggage there. And that's the thing that these movies have been able to accomplish over time is, okay, so initially maybe they were all about big set pieces and action, and honestly, I think the, the weakest parts of these movies are those big battles. I still think that they yeah, haven't fair. done a great job. Like, they're always cool, but they're a bit clunky, like yeah, Infinity War's big battle and even this one. Yeah. There's just so much going on that it's cool <laughs> and there's lots of elements that I like, but I like kind of the depth that this movie went to in that first, I don't know, maybe 90 minutes when it was clear that things weren't just going to quickly be resolved here and there was going to be a lot of fallout over what had happened and certain characters dealing with it in different ways. Yeah, I think that's, I think I totally agree with you. The, the exploration of how the different, perhaps primary Avengers dealt with grief in different ways was really fascinating because you have Captain America who is starts a support group. It doesn't really, I mean, maybe he is, but it doesn't really look like he was going out there fighting crime yep. on a daily basis, right? I mean, maybe he was, maybe because we, we see that scene where Black Widow, like you mentioned, is talking to War Machine, he's talking, she's talking to Okoye, she's talking to Captain Marvel and Rocket, and they're all doing different things around the world. And I pr- presumably Okoye is back in Wakanda yeah. running the nation after Black Panther is, I guess, dead. Like, who knows what happened in, in uh, Wakanda after yeah. after the king dies, right? But So you have all these characters, and maybe Captain, Mar- Captain America, rather, was cycled out. Maybe they all take turns getting a little bit of rest or something because we see him in the support group. Black Widow, obviously, is, is trying to cope with it by running that kind of all the missions then you have Thor on the other hand who and, and I think that's realistic, right? That when if something crazy like that, a tragedy happens, whether it's even something more personal like a family member dying or 
something as large as what happens in Endgame, you know, people will turn to people cope differently. I yeah. guess is what it, is what it is, which I think was a kind of an interesting thing considering we've never seen that in any of the Marvel movies before. I think like maybe one one thing I found interesting was that I thought maybe a plot they bring back a plot from the movies or sorry from the comic books where Tony is an alcoholic. That's like a pretty big part of the Iron Man slash Tony Stark uh, initial comic book arc. Like when when uh, Iron Man came out in two thousand eight. The comic books they re- they rebooted the comic book series and Matt Fraction, who's a writer of some other novels I follow, he and he was the guy tasked with writing it and part of it was about the seven demons that plague Tony Stark and of course a lot of it has to do with his money and his fame and his influence and people coming for all that stuff yeah. but a large part of it has to do with his alcoholism so I was interested to see that they kind of bored that and kind of gave it to gave it to Thor for at least for the events of the movie I feel like now when we now based on how he essentially joins the Guardians of the Galaxy at the end of the movie. I wonder if they'll just do away with that, and by the time the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 3 comes about, he's, like, shredded again. Well, I wonder... So, it sounded like leading into these movies that uh, Chris Evans, who plays Captain America, obviously Robert Downey Jr. plays Iron Man, and Chris Hemsworth, who plays Thor, there was some thought that, well, so Evans and Downey were definitely done, and Thor was trending in that direction, but... It doesn't. It certainly doesn't seem like yeah, he's yeah. finished with Marvel and the Thor character with the way that they left it. And maybe they kind of stumbled onto something with Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy because it's clear that there's some chemistry there and some comic relief. I feel like that's the kind of thing you could pursue for a movie. Sure, sure. But if there's no evolution to it, if it's just like kind of, you know, zingers between him and Star-Lord yeah. back and forth— Maybe you could do that for a movie. I don't know if there's a long-standing uh, kind of arc there, but maybe there's a third Thor movie to be had because now you have Valkyrie, who's kind of yeah. the leader, the ruler, or so to speak, of new Asgard. So there is some possibilities here, but you know, this was a good bookend to what had been a really long journey, oh right? Goodness, 2008 yeah. to 2019, a lot of movies, a lot of hours spent. Now you've got a blank kind of canvas. Yeah, there are characters who are going to carry over, but... It'll be interesting to see how, you know, Spider-Man, uh, the, the movie coming out in July, like, how are they going to address it? Because it seems like they're still in high school, like they're going yeah. on a trip to Europe. Yeah, and, and that's right? something that really interested me because I, I would imagine for them all to still be in high exactly. school, they all would have had to been snapped. Yeah. Basically, right? Yep. Because otherwise, even if just one of them did not get snapped, they'd be five years older, exactly. right? And and we see the trailer, and they all look exactly the same yep. age. So they all must have been, like, snapped away, and they all got snapped back, I guess. That's what I'm thinking, because <laughs> uh, it seemed like, yeah, they're still in high school. Like, uh, it's, it's clear that that uh, seems to be the case, but... I it, I read that there's probably going to be an addressing of it in some way. Like there there's going to be, be yeah. some carryover. Like they refer to it as still part of this current phase before transitioning to That's I guess right. what phase four. Yes, we're yeah. still kind of in phase three here a little bit, and then I guess Black Panther will have probably something in that regard also whenever yeah. that comes out, and then that'll probably be it as far as it goes and then you kind of turn the page and you focus on a new phase for these characters i was reading that because if we're looking ahead to spider-man far from home comes out on july 2nd yeah so just just a little over i guess what two just a little less i guess than two months from now right and uh i was reading that the popular theory because we already know that mysterio is the bad guy it's jake gyllenhaal who's playing him and we saw him in the trailer and so on and the theory is that in the five years that people were gone that Uh heroes were gone from earth 
that Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio, who in the comics uh, and even the '90s Spider-Man yeah, uh, cartoon, mm-hmm. uh, Mysterio was like a Hollywood FX like like engineer who decides to u- utilize his talents to create monsters and fight against them. So mm-hmm. it's a safe bet that might be the case in the movie, but the the theory is that he was the hero in the five years that that Spider-Man and other heroes were gone. He had like become a hero, he had become a noticeable name, and then now Spider-Man is back and he's stealing his thunder and that's perhaps that perhaps is what turns Mysterio to being a bad guy. And I kind of think, you know, I could, yeah. I could buy that. Yeah, I could you buy know, that, like too. That, that could be a fun twist on the Mysterio. You know, maybe if, even if he, maybe he comes back and Spider-Man has defeated all the bad guys and now he turns to making up his own bad guys to stay relevant, right? He used air quotes there. But, yeah, I, find, I think there's a number of interesting things they can do for Spider-Man because one of the other things they did with Endgame that I kind of liked, that there was no, there was no after credit scene. Yeah. It was a nice point. It was a poignant end. They did that cool like kind of mid credit scene. Instead of actually having a scene, it was like all the original Avengers signing off, yeah. right? Like they, it was like they were signing the camera. Uh, that was kind of neat. And so it felt right not to have a post credit scene, even though I'm sure people wanted one. Yeah. But now you got to think that because Spider-Man Far From Home is the last movie in Phase 3, there has to be some setting up of the next major villain or some kind of tease or something to indicate what's coming next, right? Yeah. And my theory, and I brought this up with another another friend of mine on another episode of the podcast, like before Endgame came out, but uh, I I feel like if I had to lay some money down on who the next villain will be, it'll probably be something a little more grounded. Because, I mean, you know, we saw you, you and I both saw the battle at the end of Endgame. How can you really top that, yeah. right? You can, like, I feel like you can't really, right? So if you wanted to follow that up with something, I feel like it makes sense for it to be a little more grounded in reality, a little more brought back down to earth. And I thought that if, if Spider-Man is going to be the jumping off point for that, it could be cool to see Norman Osborn come back into the movie realm, yeah. um, see the Green Goblin. The only thing is we haven't we haven't heard any rumors of casting. So and usually that kind of thing is announced in some fashion, but it would be cool to see Norman Osborn, especially now if you're if you want to relate it back to Peter Parker. It would be interesting to see Peter have a new male influence in his life because, of course, before it was Tony Stark, and now he doesn't have one. Yeah. And Norman Osborn has been that character in the comic books and obviously the other Spider-Man movies. So I think that would be kind of inter- kind of be an interesting twist, though. You know, they could do whatever they want, and I'm sure we'd be okay with it. <laughs> For sure. And I just I, – I wonder it's – it's an interesting thought because what kind of direction do you want to take – because we we can uh, we can probably safely assume that there will be some other incarnation of the Avengers down the line. I think that's probably uh, a pretty good bet. But what like what? How do they want to take that that kind of next realm of that franchise? Do they want it to be as just big and blown out as right. these movies were? Do they you want them to be a little bit more subtle? And I feel like that if there is an overarching villain that could span over the course of not just one movie but a couple. Like, it can't really be another titan like Thanos. Yeah, Do you yeah. want it to be a little bit more subtle and maybe a little bit more uh, guarded in intentions or, or something to that effect? So I feel like there's a lot of possibilities. Like, who's going to be in charge of these movies? Because that's yeah. probably going to uh, reflect in, in what kind of movies they actually are. Because you would imagine that the Russos are are probably done with these movies. Yeah. They haven't ruled it out because like, they like working with the studio and they like their relationship with Marvel. But it seems kind of like a fool's errand to try and make more movies after you kind of signed off with this. Like, it, it was hard to... 
these are always hard movies to kind of stick the landing, and we're dealing with that in my mind right now with Game of Thrones when there's a lot of hype yeah, and a lot of sure. expectations. And, yeah, there are some things that I maybe didn't love, but I feel like that might border onto nitpicking here a little bit. And for, as far as it goes, yeah, for, for, for Endgame. Game, right. And uh, I just feel like on the whole, it was a really good movie, and it wrapped up a lot of storylines and the big storyline in a pretty satisfying way. Yeah, I, I don't really have any complaints. Again, like the, the small things, like looking at, again, looking ahead to whatever may come next is what, whatever they do, I feel like Captain Marvel's storyline will probably almost out of necessity have to be operating away from Earth. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, because I feel like there's nothing that could possibly take place on Earth where she couldn't come in and immediately solve the problem with brute strength. Right. Which is completely fine. She's essentially the Superman of this universe. And I, I feel like it's always kind of cool to have one character like that. But her adventures almost like again, out of necessity, have to take place wherever the Guardians are going, wherever Thor is going, because if she were to be on Earth, it was, she would just solve anything instantly. And it, it, to go back to Thor, actually, it was interesting. I, I read some interviews with uh, both with Taika Waititi, the director of Thor Ragnarok, and with the Russo brothers, and with Kevin Feige, who is the head of Marvel Studios. And they were saying that Chris Hemsworth was essentially trending in the same direction as Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans. He did join like a, a smidge later, but I mean, more or less, they all joined you know within like two to three years of yeah. each other. And by the time the original Avengers came out in 2012, they were all in the same arc of like having their own three movies and then leading into the next Avengers mm-hmm. and so on. And after the incredible reception that Thor Ragnarok got, it was it was a different vibe for Thor. It wasn't this kind of Shakespearean sad kind of drama. It was very tongue in cheek. There's yeah. a lot of more comedy involved, physical comedy at that as well. And I think they realized, I don't know if maybe they just didn't realize before, but that Chris Hemsworth is a relatively talented comedic actor. Yeah. He has great timing. And you know what? Say what you want about the Men in Black International trailer. I, I want to go see it because it looks like the vibe from the trailer is very similar to the vibe from Thor Ragnarok. Yep. And I enjoyed that, right? Mm-hmm. So I almost feel like now that they basically reinvented Thor's character, it, it, it's almost as though they start for, started from scratch with Thor, right? And now they're giving him a chance to explore that in the Marvel universe with the rest of the cast outside of his own self-contained movie because honestly, I think Thor Ragnarok might be one of my favorite Marvel movies. Uh, truly, like I think for me, I think it might be in my top 5 at the very least. Like, I think there are others ahead of it like Winter Soldier I think is probably ahead of it. I still think the original Iron Man might be ahead of yeah. it. Uh, there's some other ones maybe as well. Black Panther, I think I enjoyed a quite, I like quite a lot. Civil War a lot. Too. Civil War was really cool. Yeah. But I think when you get past those kind of upper echelon movies, I, I would be hard pressed not to put Thor Ragnarok maybe at like five or six, depending on, depending on how I'm feeling maybe that day. I feel like it also is magnified how good that movie was because how brutal uh the dark world was i think oh that gosh, that pound yeah. for pound it's probably between that and iron man 2 i would say maybe for the, the Hulk, worst the edward norton Hulk yeah I, I don't even really i don't look <laughs> at that like i know there it obviously is connected because there's a lot that, of yeah, the same yeah. characters but it's not the same actor and mark ruffalo did a really good He's job so good as the he was really good in this movie yeah. the whole professor hulk that was great. thing was a really <laughs> like good nod to a comic book storyline and they pulled it off uh, really nicely but you're right I feel like Thor Ragnarok if it hadn't been quite as successful uh, in terms of maybe changing the tone of that entire character and franchise 
then maybe we would also be looking at the end of Thor yeah, uh, so. as a character here in the same vein as Iron Man and Captain America. But it kind of breathed new life into that whole character, into that whole franchise. Whereas it was clear Iron Man and Captain America, they are what they are at this point. And that's not a bad thing. They've been fleshed out over so many movies and so many years. But it was clear that they were tr- kind of trending towards being you know, finished off, so to speak, in this particular movie, whereas, you know, Thor now has this connection uh, with the Guardians of the Galaxy that was fleshed out not just over this movie but over previous movies, and it makes a lot of sense. It works. It doesn't feel forced in any sort of way, and I think you're right. It speaks to Hemsworth's kind of ability to change on the fly here and bring a totally new feel to what had been a pretty consistent character, like you said, with the Shakespearean stuff for the first couple of not just Thor movies, but Avenger movies as well. Yeah, it's true, because the director of the first Thor movie was Kenneth Branagh, who yeah. is who is essentially known for doing Shakespeare stuff, yeah. right? Like he is, I think he has probably the more famous version of Hamlet I think most people have seen. He's, he's in, you know, he's in a lot of older kind of movies, and, uh, you know, he's come a long way certainly since then. He's in a Mission Impossible movie. Mm-hmm. He's in... Uh, he was in uh, the Murder on the Orient Express movie, but that is what he's known for. So I think they've, they've come a long way from that kind of very brooding drama of Thor 1 uh, to Thor Ragnarok. And I think it's, since we're on the Thor note, I think it's funny that Thor 2, The Dark World, was such an integral plot point of Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Like it was, I thought it was funny because there was that scene where like old, fat, drunk Thor is getting up there in front of all the Avengers, and he's explaining the, essentially explaining the plot synopsis of... Thor the Dark World. Yeah. And, and in that moment, it hit me. I'm like, man, this movie was so bad that yeah. nobody remembers what happens. <laughs> yeah. Nobody remembered that Natalie Portman was even ha- the house of the Infinity Stone for like 35 minutes or whatever it was, that Rene Russo was in the movie, mm-hmm. that like all of these different things happened. And I thought to myself, like, man, even the Avengers needed a recap of Thor the Dark World. That's how much nobody really remembers this movie. Because I agree with you. Th- Thor the Two is probably a bottom. I like to tier the movies instead yeah. of saying like, this is a number one, this is a number two. I like to tier them, and in my bottom tier, it is easily the ones you mentioned. Iron Man 2, Thor 2, and, and The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, I don't, I can't think of any one other movie that is anywhere near as bad as any <laughs> as any of those. Like, like so there I, are other ones that I think that are maybe in a tier up, like maybe I didn't enjoy them as much, but they're not in, they're not in the same company, I don't think. Yeah, the, the, those, uh, Iron Man 2, and it's all, because it was all relative to the success of the first movies. Like, the first Thor was great. Yeah. The first Iron Man was, like you said, in, and I agree, in the first tier. And you had high expectations for the second ones. And it just, they fell flat. Like, they just weren't as sharp. The villains weren't as good. Like, Mickey Rourke's whiplash in the <laughs> second Iron Man could be the worst character. And, oh, and was it Sam Rockwell Sam was Rockwell, also in it? Yeah. He was not yeah, great yeah. either. And he's usually a fantastic, he is a fantastic actor. But yeah. it just wasn't super believable. And, you know, that's kind of, it's all about, for me, with these movies is, is expectations. And I always had high expectations every time I'd sit down for a Marvel movie because, sure. you know, they kind of just... Can I always connected with them because, you know, I took them for what they they were. Sometimes they were better than I expected. But uh, these last few movies, you went into them just knowing that it was an event. It wasn't as important to me that, you know, they were plausible right, or right. I knew that they were going to be well acted because they always were because there was a lot of talented people in them. But I just knew that I was sitting down for an event and it, it was always felt cool to me to be part of it early on because I knew that everyone in the theater 
even the people who are the most jaded, we're going to in some way find some form of appreciation uh, for these movies. And they're the only movies where you're getting clapping and like screaming during the actual, um, you know, the movie taking place on the screen. And normally I wouldn't be a huge fan of that. Yeah, yeah, me either. <laughs> but I didn't mind it, to be honest. Like, I understand, like, when when Captain America picked up uh, Mjolnir, yeah, that was, that like, was awesome. That like, was I, I, I even, like, kind of gasped a little bit. Like, I, I knew it might be possible because they had teased it, but I could understand why people would get the, fired up. Because in the moments, right, in the moment, you're at, at, at that singular moment in the movie, you're watching Thanos just beat the tar out of Thor. He's just punching him in the face over and over again. You're like, oh my gosh, like, is Thor, is this where Thor dies? Yeah. Like, we, I, I didn't even think about it, but Thor could die right now. And then you see the hammer lift off the ground, and you think, oh, Thor is saving himself. He's pulling the hammer. He's going to hit Thanos in the head with the hammer or whatever. And then Captain, Captain America catches the hammer, and you, the whole theater erupted in applause. I, I, I had a pretty good crowd, I have to say. Like, sometimes, I remember when I went to see, I think, Aquaman. I saw the movie the opening night, and people... People were talking, people were on their phones, it wasn't the greatest crowd, but when I went to see Endgame, people clapped at all the, you know, quote-unquote right moments, yeah. people were silent during all the right moments, like when Iron Man snaps his fingers and said, I am Iron Man, he snaps his fingers at the end and it, it flashes white, you could have heard a pin drop in the theater. Yeah. During the same, similarly, a, a couple minutes later, during his funeral, when the, in, that, in that cool shot where the camera was, it was an unbroken shot and it was kind of just panning from, like, group to group to group to group and, yeah. and it went basically through every single member of the Marvel universe that was still around uh, that was cool because nobody said anything and it, and it felt like the audience was at the funeral as well it mm-hmm. felt like they were other people because you know during a funeral when proceedings like that are happening you're silent right and it it felt a little more meaningful because you know you have been there with Iron Man the whole time you got to see when he was captured in Afghanistan you got to see when he got married to Pepper kind of thing. Like, I don't know what happened off screen, but like, you know, you, you were present for the implication of that. You had to see his relationship with Peter. So it was pretty cool that we got a send off for someone like Iron Man. In, even further to Captain, in, at Captain America as well. It was a different kind of send off, but at the same time, uh, even though I, I, I read it, it may cause some, uh, perhaps the time travel rules, yeah. ca- yeah. cause some consternation yeah. with how, how that <laughs> might be interpreted. Because I was actually thinking about it the other day. You would think that I, my theory initially was that he just stayed, he, he went back to the, like an alternate timeline, lived out his life in this alternate timeline. Was he and skinny? Kept, and kept the, what's that? Like, was he skinny in the alternate yeah, timeline? I, Did I, he I, get I, the I, super soldier serum? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, my, my, so my thought was, he he goes back from like I don't know where he he ends up so who knows what order he returns Infinity Stones in but yeah. from wherever he was he then uses his like I don't know time watch thing I don't even know what the heck they called them but he uses his time watch to travel basically back to 1945 but the way I interpret it was that whenever they travel back in time they're not necessarily traveling back in time to the past to to your past mm-hmm. right they're not traveling back in time to the actual past they're essentially by traveling back in time. They are traveling back in time, and and then do and then doing something. They're creating an alternate timeline, yeah. and then that time watch thing works to bring them back to their own timeline. But then again, had that been the case, he would have come back to the timeline on this little platform thing. He wouldn't have just been like waiting off to the side, right? Yeah. So that that's what I think confused a lot of people that he didn't come back through the portal. He just like. It was on that it, bench. It was, it was on the bench or whatever, yeah. which is like, how does that work if it wasn't like the real past, right? And I think yeah. that's the 
perhaps what's causing people a little issues there. Yeah, it, it there was some there was some concern for me for sure. I didn't dwell on it too much because I feel like if if you were gonna drive yourself crazy with that sort of thing, then it might maybe take away some of the impact because I thought that the conversation between uh, Captain America and uh, Falcon was pretty poignant at yeah, the end there. I like sure. I like it's clear that like those two characters, Anthony Mackie and. Uh, the actors, uh, Chris Evans, clearly have a rapport built out yeah, yeah. over a number of movies, and that one landed for me. But, yeah, and then I started thinking uh, the next day, well, so if he was there, did he have to make a sacrifice for the Soul Stone? No, yeah, probably yeah, not. Yeah. But if he, <laughs> he probably was, He probably met the Red Skull yeah, when he had to return it. Exactly, right? Like, <laughs> right? Was Captain America existing in his timeline, and he was just like, an, like Nebula existed 2023 Nebula and 2024, right, 2014 right. Nebula, I guess, kind of existed in the same timeline. They converged at the same time. So I guess in theory, that means that Captain America from the future could also witness Captain America of the past or yeah, other yeah. timeline, you know, living out his life. But like, does, is Peggy Carter aware of there potentially being two Captain Americas simultaneously? I, I feel like that if, if that was the case, I feel like when he goes back to 1945 mm. or 1944, or whenever he goes back to, he would have to explain it to Peggy. You would think. You, you would think, right? Because because yeah. then he would, then he ostensibly lives out his life with her for the next like 70 years or something like that. So you would think he like is like, hey, like, honey, here's the deal. Here's why I'm like not yeah. on the ice right now because you thought I was dead. No, it's true. I think if you if you like you said if you think too hard about it. I think you will find something to be dissatisfied about, but that's not really what it's necessarily about, right? It's a, it's about getting a proper send off for Captain America, seeing that he was happy in the end, seeing that Tony, you know, he he basically did what Thanos thought he was going to do, right? Thanos said that when he was done, he would retire to the 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 cries of a grateful universe, and that's essentially what Tony did, right? Mm-hmm. So you got we got what we wanted, I think, in that case. I have two more questions for you, but before before we'll go, Josh, uh, one where the I guess the, the the villain pantheon of Marvel, I think perhaps has been, you mentioned the big battles is one of their weak points. I would argue that another weak point of virtually every Marvel movie, maybe mm-hmm. not like every single one, but a lot of them have had weak villains. Yes. Right? And I think especially in the early going, like I actually, I'm not going to lie, I have a soft spot for Obadiah Stane, Jeff Bridges. Yeah. I, I have a soft spot for him, like the Box of Scraps line, all-time Marvel Studios line, but... Outside of a lot of the movies, or, or a few of the movies, I should say, I feel like a lot of the movies have poor villains, let's yep. say. I don't, and I don't want to, like, bag on them too much, but I think a lot of, it's, it's because I think a lot of the time the, these movies essentially exist as vehicles for our intrepid heroes to just beat up a bunch of faceless bad guys before coming to the one named bad guy and then beating him or her in a fight, right? Yeah. So in that sense, where what would your, let's say, top five Marvel movie villain ranking be so I feel like Loki's got to be in there okay. because he just was so he was just always around sure, yeah, right yeah. and a, yeah, quite a schemer and then you weren't sure if he was there under his own uh, volition or as it turned out it was kind of Thanos pulling the strings right, and right. sending him there as sort of a proxy uh, to retrieve the Tesseract in the original Avengers Eric Killmonger's got to be up there. Yes, I agree. So much, like, the character's compelling, and the story was very compelling, but Michael B. Jordan kind of so brought things really to life there, yeah. so I would put him in the mix. I did, I liked Adrian Toomes as Vulture in Spider-Man yes. Homecoming. I thought he was good. Thanos is there. Of course. He's been really good. Yeah. I liked Red Skull a lot okay. in the in the original um, Captain America. 
I don't know what you think of Ultron. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't really think in my top five. James Spader does okay, a yeah. nice job I with like it. I like James Spader as an actor. Yeah. But Ultron... And I think, I think like, this got a little lost because one of the reasons I did not really care for Ultron was because in the comics and whatnot, he's, like, this menacing, cold presence that is unfeeling but is, is hyper-intelligent. And we kind of got the opposite of that, right? We got, like, yeah. Ultron was super quippy and he yeah. was trying to be funny all the time. And I remember the scene that really annoyed me in, in, in Avengers 2 is when he, like, faces Andy Serkis's claw yeah. and he cuts off his arm and he's like, oh no, oh no. And it felt like a kind of a sketch comedy yeah. act almost. It was a weird, yeah. it was so, it was so jarring considering you thought that you're getting like this badass villain. And then, I, and then someone explained perhaps online, perhaps on Twitter, I forget what it was, but it was something like the reason that the choice for that was because he was based like the U- Ultron was based on partly on Tony Stark. So then Ultron was like some kind of like a like a Tony Stark analog and yeah. and, and he's like Tony Stark's kid. So well, would you expect Tony Stark's kid to be super quippy? Probably, right? Yeah, that's fair. And in that sense, so when I when I heard about that, I was like, okay, maybe I'll come down on my criticism of Ultron a little bit. I still don't know if I'd put him in my top five. Though. No. I liked Helmut Zemo also from uh, oh, yeah, okay. Civil War. Like uh, Daniel Brühl, also a great actor. Great actor so that yeah, helps fantastic. Uh, bring things a little bit. I liked the kind of... In Iron Man 3, the the dual villain, because oh, yes. the swerve, Ben Kingsley's obviously Sir Ben Kingsley, so he's terrific. Yeah, but yeah. the Mandarin, you thought that he was kind of the the big bad in that movie, and then they swerve it, and he's actually just kind of a mouthpiece actor. actor for, yeah. what was it Aldrich Killian? Yes. who was played by uh, Guy, Guy Pierce. Pierce. Yeah, and yeah. Guy Pierce was really good there, too. And uh, in The Winter Soldier, um, Bucky Sebastian Stan does a good job there, too, kind of being just a cold, calculating kind of killer for hire programmed, but he also, the humanity kind of seeps through at times as well, which is always kind of a tough thing it's true. to balance a it little is. bit. I, I would see, and the reason, like, if, if you were to ask me to list my top five, Killmonger, uh, Thanos for sure, the Vulture, pro- th- I think they're probably the top three. Yeah. I think it'd probably be like Thanos and then probably the Vulture because I loved, I loved like how he looked. I loved, I like Michael Keaton. Yes. I think he's fantastic. And then I'd probably put Killmonger number three. And I, I sometimes I go back and forth on where I want Loki and the Winter Soldier only because they don't spend their entire presence in the Marvel movies as, as bad guys. Yeah. And I think that if you're thinking solely of bad guys, those other three, let's say, are just bad guys the whole time, right? Yeah. Whereas Loki, you know, he makes up with Thor at the end of Ragnarok yeah. and he like dies a hero, kind one, of, one yeah, would argue, trying right? Trying to sacrifice himself. Yeah, sort and of, then yeah. S- similarly with uh, the Winter Soldier, he's like one of the Avengers at the end of, at the yeah. end of his arc, right? Yeah. And then, like, he's getting his own TV show with Falcon, like, coming out in November. So, I mean, that's the only reason I, w- I would hesitate to put them super high in the list. But, I mean, how could you not put them on the list, right? They were so compelling when you first see them on the screen that it was just so much fun to engage with them, right? And I guess on that same line, the last thing I wanted to get your opinion on was uh, where would you put Endgame? Because ha- we mentioned tiers. We mentioned the bottom, the bottom tier of uh, Iron Man 2, Thor 2, and perhaps The Incredible Hulk. What is your top tier like? Is Endgame in the top tier? It's a good and, one. And, and, a... How, and how big is the top tier? Because, I mean, a lot of the movies are pretty good. You know? Oh, yeah. No question about it. So I would say in the top tier, uh, Iron Man 1 is definitely yep. in the top tier. Um, probably The Winter Soldier is also in the top tier. Black Panther is in the top tier. I'm probably going to go five. Okay. I, I'm... 
I feel like Infinity War, I might be in the minority on this. I think Infinity War on the whole might be a better movie than, I think so. uh, I would than, agree than with Endgame. You. I would agree with you. Maybe the stakes fell a little bit flat in hindsight because you knew all the characters were going to come up, uh, come back. But there was a legitimate suspense, the buildup, every, everything made sense. It was the culmination of the whole uh, Infinity Stones plot line. Yep. He finally got them. Endgame was just r- kind of wrapping things up, trying to flip everything on its head and they pulled it off. But I think infinity war is, is in that mix also. And I might be like kind of crazy for this. I really liked Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ooh, okay. I like really that. like that movie more than awesome. the first Ant-Man, uh, the whole kind of quantum realm and Michelle Pfeiffer was that stuck, was cool. yeah. stuck in there forever. And they tried to get her out and it was kind of a redemption angle for, uh, Ant-Man Scott Lang's yep. character after he, stole the suit to go to the Berlin airport or the, Ger- the airport in Germany to fight that civil war battle. And yep, he had yep. to try and rebuild relationships that way. And I'm just a big Paul Rudd Ant-Man fan. He's great. So that, yeah. that I think kind of the ageless it a Paul bit. Rudd. <laughs> yeah. It's a joke. He's Benjamin Button, I guess. He pretty like, much is yeah. right. Yeah. It's kind what of, about you? I, I recently watched friends like with one of my girl, with my girlfriend and yeah. uh, he, I saw one of the episodes he was in. I'm like, this guy looks the same age in 1993 that he does in 2019. It's wild. But for me, my, I think my, tier my top tier would probably be a mix of definitely iron man one uh probably probably the first avengers because of what because of like what the kind of spectacle it was in 2012 you've never really seen anything like that before i think that probably is in there black panther thor ragnarok and i think that that might oh and the winter soldier though those are probably the five that would be in my tier because i think i think of movies like endgame and infinity war i think of movies like guardians of the galaxy yeah uh, Civil War. Th- those movies are probably in the, the tier right after. There's so many. Right? There's like, and there's so many of them. Or the 22 movies, right? Yeah. Like, uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Really I really good. liked, and yeah. that'd probably be in the second tier. Yeah. You know. So, I, and then and then you get into the third tier where there are movies like probably like Captain America one. Thor one, maybe Iron Man three. Yeah, Iron right? Man three was good. Like I liked it, but I didn't love it as much as I loved. Maybe Captain Marvel might be in that third tier. I liked it, but I didn't love it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it was a solid, maybe unspectacular movie because because uh, it's, it was unfortunate because the biggest thing I was looking forward to about Captain Marvel was her meeting the Avengers. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't like super interested in her origin story. I mean, the best part of that movie I thought was her interplay with Nick Fury because I think Samuel Jackson is fun and he he. That was probably the most he's been in any of the Marvel movies. I think yeah. right. So that was probably my favorite part of that movie. But ultimately, on the whole, I didn't love that movie. Me neither. I didn't. I didn't. Ha- I don't think I hated it, but I didn't. I, I'm, I'm not going to put it on the same tier as Iron Man two or or no. Thor two certainly. But I mean. In terms of the narrative and and just what happened in the movie, I was just all I could think of it by the end of the movie was okay. That was cool. I want to see Endgame now. I want to see her interplay with Iron Man. I want to see her like beat up Thanos. But like that's not what you're gonna get in the movie that takes place in the mid '90s. Although it did have my favorite Stan Lee cameo in yeah. Captain Marvel. That was cool. The reading the Mallrats yeah. script. That was pretty cool. Yeah, what well, definitely was. And I, I'm with you. I don't. She was good. Brie Larson's talented. The character did that just doesn't seem to have that much kind of oomph. Right. She's pretty soft-spoken, like, yeah, passionate about a, a great number of things and obviously very powerful. And like, But I, I'm with you. I kind of shrugged at the end of that movie and was like, okay, now I know how she exactly. got her power. Exactly, yeah. And now I'd like to actually see them. You saw, you got a taste of it at the end of that movie in the big climax where you could see how powerful she was. She's like a Super Saiyan in Dragon Ball yeah, Z. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and you saw it. you'll get to a Dragon Ball Z movie, She probably. gave it to Thanos pretty good <laughs> in, admit, in Endgame. That was one of my favorite parts of the movie 
was when she's just thrashing Thanos, who has all five Infinity Stones, or all six Infinity Stones, I guess, and he, ta- and he has his hand up, and he takes the Power Stone out of the gauntlet and just punches her, and she goes flying. That, I thought, was... A mo- I think it was one of my favorite individual moments because I would not have thought to do that. No. If I was Thanos, I'd have been like, I'm dead. I'm going to die right now. <laughs> Captain Marvel's going to break my neck. But that, I thought that was a really cool, a, a very, a very fan servicey moment. The entire audience gasped because you're like, oh man, you're expecting Captain Marvel to like, kick his ass. And then he, she gets like thrown across the battlefield and he puts the gauntlet back in there and you see, and then Doctor Strange does the one sign. I, I thought that w- entire sequence was amazingly well done. Yeah, I, 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 I tend to agree with you as well. And she kind of looked... Like like she was unstoppable. It was yeah. like a running back following blocker. <laughs> she had the gauntlet, and yeah, then yeah. Thanos kind of interrupts that a little bit. And I, I, I just kind of illustrated that even as powerful as she was when he's kind of possessing all the stones, that uh, he's still very powerful. And it was a, it was good that it wasn't just twenty minutes of him because I was concerned. It's like, well, is that that's it? Like, what, yeah, what, yeah. what what's happening here? Yeah. And I didn't really think in the moment that there would be a way for a past version of him to kind of make an imprint on the the story of Endgame itself. But I, and then it made a lot of sense, like Nebula can be kind of controlled in that way and everything's programmed and you can see memories and thoughts. Yep. And it worked for me that he was able to kind of deduce what was happening in the future through Nebula's kind of consciousness. No, it was, it was a great, it was a satisfying ending. I, I had no real complaints. The time travel stuff, a little wonky if you think too hard about it, like you mentioned, but ult- ultimately Endgame, you know, is the culmination of a 22, it's the 22nd movie mm-hmm. in the phase, and number 23 is coming out in a couple of months, and I'm sure we'll get... Uh, we'll get a little bit more clarity on how they're going to move forward. Because looking ahead, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, probably Scarlet Witch, Falcon, and Winter Soldier, those are the Avengers going forward, right? The Hulk and Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy, I I get the sense maybe even Hawkeye are going to be a little more on the sidelines or doing other things while the the big three, let's say, of Spider-Man, Black Panther, and I guess if you want, you can probably interchange Captain Marvel yeah. and Doctor Strange, depending on what she's doing at the time. Those are going to be your core Avengers going forward, and that's pretty cool. That's a new, It's exciting because Black Panther and Spider-Man and Captain Marvel and Doctor Strange are all really interesting characters. You just kind of have to draw a line in the sand eventually. You could have kept these movies going forever. I'm sure if you had paid people more money, maybe they just didn't want to do them anymore, but... Maybe it could have been, but I, it just eventually you have to figure out how are we going to wrap this up. Yeah, all great things. You wish great things like this could go on forever and ever because yeah, yeah. you love these characters and you've you know, kind of grown up in some ways uh, with some of these characters. But the time had come, I think, for Iron Man and Captain America to, to kind of ride off into the sunset. They had been in a lot of movies and uh, there had been a lot of stakes and it had paid off well. And yeah, I think you're right. Those are probably the big three or four uh, going forward of this franchise. And yeah, I think there's just a lot of possibilities now and a lot of different directions that you could take this in. And that's at least refreshing and exciting for me because we had been building to this for a really long time and it paid off. And now it's going to be very interesting to see what might be next. Yeah. And I'm sure we, we know Disney bought Fox. The X-Men will be joining eventually. Yeah. The Fantastic Four will be joining eventually. So that, that I think will be the next demarcation point yeah. for the Avengers, for the Marvel Studios franchise but that's all in the future i'm excited to see what comes next for i'm, I'm going to be focused really hard on spider-man far from home when it me comes too. out in july so uh we'll have to have you back on the pod but thank, thank you for coming on with me today josh absolutely this is uh, a long time coming
and glad we did it and I uh, hope everyone enjoys. Uh, it was a good, like, kind of different conversation. We didn't just plot, recap it. There were lots of different... Because you could talk about... There, that's the thing about the Marvel... Uh, cinematic universe. There's just so many tentacles and so many different directions you could go in. You, we could have talked about this whole universe and this movie for hours and hours. Oh yeah, no, I and I something tells me uh, we would have been able to. I yes. think, but uh, but I, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Joe. Again, that is Josh and I in conversation earlier in the week, a couple days ago, actually. Josh is a host and producer extraordinaire here at Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. And yeah, Joshua will probably be back on the podcast at some point. You know, something tells me maybe for some more Marvel movie discussions. I love having kind of conversations with Josh in the newsroom about stuff like Game of Thrones and uh, Avengers and other movies like that because I think he and I have a lot of similar interests within that in that regard. So yeah, something tells me he will be back on the podcast later on this year. So. Uh, Looking ahead, because I don't want to keep you guys too much longer, uh, looking ahead, there are a lot of amazing movies coming out. Maybe amazing, actually, now that I say that out loud is perhaps not the right word, but there's a couple of movies coming out that, uh, let's say, will hold my interest uh, later this week. I think actually tomorrow, it's Wednesday, so tomorrow, Thursday, uh, Detective Pikachu is coming out on May 10th, right? Actually, tomorrow is May 9th, so I know, I guess tomorrow is technically the advanced release, so I guess Fridays are always the day you're actually counting the movie to come out on, right? So May 10th, which is Friday, Detective Pikachu, May 17th, John Wick 3, and also The Sun is also a star. That's the name of that one, uh, with Yara Shahidi, and that should be kind of an interesting one. Uh, interested to see that one. A bit of a, a bit of a different vibe from your summer blockbusters. It's still kind of interested to see what that might be about. Uh, Aladdin, Disney's reboot of uh, the, you know, the live-action movies. That's coming out on May 24th. May 31st, the end of the the end of the month, Godzilla King of the Monsters, which looks pretty dope, I have to say, and Rocketman, the uh, biopic of Elton John starring Taron Egerton. And uh it's funny, I saw the trailer for that ahead of Bohemian Rhapsody. So clearly clearly the movie people know who they're marketing that one to, right? If you know if you, if you go a little ahead into June, uh, June 7th, X-Men Dark Phoenix and Secret Life of Pets 2, Sons uh, Louis C.K., of course, and uh, June 14th, Men in Black International, which I am excited to see, starring some Avengers Endgame stars, uh, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. So, you know, I'm excited to see all of those movies. I think we will cover virtually every single one, maybe not all of them, and definitely all the blockbusters, at least. Maybe some quick thoughts on the smaller movies, but uh, yes, definitely we will be covering all of the major movies here on Showtime, the movie podcast and uh you know now that i'm over my case my bout of pneumonia and it's a little less busy at work i will be getting back to the every other week episode of podcast but until then until then thank you for listening so much i always appreciate hearing from you guys this has been the showtime movie podcast have a great night duh Oh,